the end times and where we're at. First of all, I want to clarify a few things about the rapture and about the second coming. These are two completely separate events. The rapture is something that happens before the, what we believe before the tribulation. And the second coming is what happens, what we believe, at the end of the tribulation. Now, there are many different views on this. There's what we call the pre-trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, and post-trib rapture. Now, our church is a dispensationalist believing church, and with that being said, we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, so that we'll be raptured before the tribulation starts. Now, you may say, why are there so many different views on this? Just to name some very people that are, have taught on this, John MacArthur, who Pastor Tim has quoted many times, and R.C. Sproul, who we've quoted many times. John MacArthur is a dispensationalist, and he believes that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. R.C. Sproul, he is what we would call a covenant theology, and he believes that the rapture is going to happen at the end of the tribulation. So here are two very godly men, great theologians of our time, with completely opposite views on when the, the rapture is going to happen. So with that being in mind, you just we have to take it for what it is that two people that are very intelligent who have studied the Bible endlessly have two different views on when the rapture is going to happen. So just to let you know that I'm going to be jumping around to a lot of different scripture. I'm going to hit on a lot of different topics, and we're just going to scratch the surface of prophecy. One thing you need to know is that we are living in the last days. When Jesus was on the earth, there were already 4,000 years of human existence on the earth. Since his death, burial, and resurrection, it has been another 2,000 years. We are quickly approaching the millennial reign of Christ on earth. And this is based on the 6,000 years of man on the earth, and that the seventh day Christ will reign for 1,000 years, and then the final judgment, and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. So we believe that we're coming toward the end of the, the 6,000 years of human existence on earth, and that in that uh, right at the end of that, that the tribulation comes, and then Christ will return and reign for 1,000 years, and that we return with him and reign for 1,000 years. And then a new heaven and a new earth. So why talk about prophecy and why study prophecy if there's so many different views on it? Well, Jesus talked about prophecies. Prof or, or prophets in the Old Testament talked about it. There are prophecies in the Old Testament that have not been fulfilled. And this is one easy way to know that the Old Testament is still relevant today. God wants us to know, but we must search. Search out his word. By studying prophecy, we will not be caught unaware of his return to come and take us home. He will not come to us as a thief in the night for those who are looking for him. Jesus wants us to watch and be prepared for his second coming. And if you take a look at Matthew 25, 13, Luke 21, 25 through 28, you'll clearly see that these scriptures that, that Jesus is telling us to watch and be prepared. And that's exactly what we want to do. We study prophecy to glorify God and his name. Prophecy will happen whether you or anyone is prepared or not. God said it will happen, and it will. God is more concerned about his name than he is about man. We study prophecy to prove God is perfect and accurate, 
100% of the time. Wake up and prepare. God is going to destroy the earth. He said he's going to destroy it by fire, and he will. All this talk about green and saving the earth is nothing more than a a diversion. God is going to do to the earth what he said he's going to do. So we don't want to act irresponsible when it comes to the earth, but we do know that, that God is in control and he's going to end up burning the earth. So God is more concerned about his name the end, and he's more ac- concerned about the 100% accuracy of his time. So we study prophecy to strengthen our faith in the reliability of Scripture. God is 100% accurate in the past, and you can be assured that he is going to be 100% accurate in the future. Studying prophecy gives us hope in uncertain times. It gives us a view of the future, and who doesn't want to know the future? It inspires us in our destiny, encourages us to watch for God's imminent rapture. Man has fear of global warming, economic collapse, plagues, runaway intelligence. They are just the name of the few of the fears that are going on in the world today. Daniel's prophecies have not been fulfilled. Ezekiel's prophecies have not been fulfilled. Daniel 12 has not been fully fulfilled. Daniel 12.10 says, Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. The wicked cannot and will not understand. So you ask yourself, why can't they understand? Why do they make such laws as they do? Is it so simple to see? Why don't they get it? God said that they won't understand and they can't understand. We see laws made in New York where they allow abortion right up to the last day. And we ask how and anyone in their right mind can make such a law. But we know that God says that they can't understand. So that is one of the great signs that we're coming to the end. We have things like a, a move called Shout Your Abortion. I mean, how terrible does it get when you're, you're bragging about killing a human being? Ezekiel 38 and 39 have not been fulfilled. We see war ramping up. We don't know when it will take place or when it will be fulfilled. It could be before or after the rapture. So we read Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. It says, the, Lord of the, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set your face toward Gog on the land of Magog, the chief of prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will return, and I will turn you about and put hooks in your jaws, and I will bring you out and all your army, horses, and horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer with all his hordes, Beth Tagarma from the uttermost parts of the north, with all his hordes, many people are with you. So this is a, talking about a war that's coming to Israel. And the Israel has been at war. It's almost like they're constantly at war or people looking to take over the land. 
So we read this, and you're like, well, what's that got to do with anything today? Those words are Gog and Meshach and Tubal. But Gog is the name of a ruler like our president. Gog, or Magog, are people from the north. Meshach and Tubal are Russia. Persia is modern-day Iran. Cush, which is Sudan. Put is Liberia and Algeria. And Gomer is modern-day Turkey. So if you, when you take a look at the old times and just in the past 20 years, Turkey and has literally been a place where the Israelites would go on vacation. They've always been friendly to the uh, Israel people. Iran was an ally with the U.S. Now they threaten to destroy Israel daily, and they hate the U.S. Turkey, Russia, and Iran... They did not get along. And people were always wondering, how is this going to happen? When are these people going to come together? But we've seen today now that Turkey, Russia, and Iran, all, those three leaders have come together and they've made a pact and that they're, that they're going to go against Israel. They don't blatantly say they're going to go against Israel. Iran does. But you can see it. And there's many examples of that. Liberia and Algeria. They make weapons, and they send these to nations for Israel's destruction. It's all coming together. Like I said, Iran, Russia, and Turkey have made an alliance. And all three are, on, are in Syria, which is just north of Israel, and they're right on their border. They're about 70 miles away. So what would you think if thousands of troops, and they're amassing thousands of troops, planes, missiles, rockets, from Russia, Iran, and Turkey, started piling up in Cuba. Well, this is exactly what's going on in Israel. We see that they're piling up literally 70 miles north of the border of Israel. And you got all these troops and all these weapons coming together. And they don't do this just because it's an exercise. They've been doing it for years, and you can just see them stockpiling all these weapons and, and items for war. So Jesus talked about the end times. So when I mention these things that I'm going to talk about here, we have to have a world view when we're talking about them. Don't just think about the U.S. I know that our mind wants to go there when we say about uh, earthquakes and famines and wars and we think about U.S. But we have to keep a world view when we think about this stuff. So Jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple and the return at the end of the age. The disciples came to him and asked, When will these things happen and what will be the sign? He says, Watch out that no one deceives you. So we have to be careful. Jesus said, Watch out no one deceives you. So what do we need to do? Watch out that no one deceives us. How do we do that? We have to watch out for false prophets. We have to watch out for people who are preaching false gospels. So we can, you know, the prosperity gospel. Preachers who are claiming that the Old Testament isn't relevant. Just to name a few that are going on. Jesus said to watch for wars and rumors of wars. In the Afghan conflict, there have been over 2 million people killed since 1978. 28,000 in 2019 alone. The Mexican drug war, 22,500 people were killed in 2018. 1,692 people have been shot in Chicago alone this year. Almost weekly, we hear of shootings in random places. For random reasons. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
famines and earthquakes in various places. Kansas and Oklahoma don't have earthquakes. Tornadoes, yes. Earthquakes, no. But in a week in September, they had over 65 earthquakes in one week, not September, but in August. This is according to the earthquake track. In California, they had 2,801 earthquakes in a 30-day span. These are all the beginning of birth pains. Jesus said, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. A Christian is killed every six minutes for their faith in Jesus, according to the Christian Post. Think about that for a minute. He says, you'll be hated by all nations because of Jesus. You can talk about any religion you want, but you can't talk about Christianity or Jesus or the Bible. Turn away from faith, and they will betray and hate each other. More things that Jesus is warning us about. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Mega churches that preach a prosperity gospel, name it and claim it. There's increase in wickedness, and love of most will go cold. Violence attacking the mind of children. We're at a war, and it's not a physical war, as Pastor Tim's been teaching us. You must guard your mind, and most certainly you must guard the mind of your children. There's an all-out war going on right now for the mind of children. Wherever you turn, Satan is attacking children. And he, come as a, he comes as an imitator. He's not going to come with horns and, you know, kicking in the door and say, I'm here to take your kids. He's going to attack them wherever he can. So we must, and he's going to attack the family. He's going to attack the base of the family. He's going to attack the adults. It doesn't matter. He's going to attack the, whatever age you are, he's going to attack. But he's going after the children, and we see that just about in everything that's going on in society. The gospel is preached in every nation, and then the end will come. I believe that the gospel has been preached in every nation and on this earth. I know that some scholars say that the word nation here means group, people groups, and some say that the word means the world as a whole. I'll let you do your word study on that, but I believe that the, the, nation, the, word, the gospel has been preached in every nation. Has it been preached to every people group? And has the word been translated to every people group? Absolutely not. We're sponsoring our own missionaries to go translate the Bible and the word to other people groups. But as it been to every single nation, I believe through radio and the Internet, that you can be on any nation today and get the word. Israel and Jerusalem are the number one sign that this is the great sign that we're in the last days. Ezekiel 4, 4 through 6 says, as, you lie, as for you, lie down on your left side and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You shall bear the iniquity of the number of days that you lie on it, for I have assigned you a number of days corresponding to the years of their iniquity. Three hundred and ninety days, thus you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned it to you for, for forty days, a day for each year. In this passage, the sin of Israel and Judah was three hundred and ninety years and 40 years. To symbolize this, Ezekiel had to lay on his left side for 390 days, a day for each year of Israel's sin, and 40 days on his right side, 
a day for each year of Judah's sin. The total time then was 430 years of sin. The Babylonian captivity took up 70 years of this punishment, leaving 360 years. So I'm going to read to you Leviticus 26, 14 through 18. But if you will not listen to me and carry out all these commands, and if you reject my decrees and and arbor my laws and fail to carry out my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring upon you sudden terror, wasting diseases and fever that will destroy your sight and drain away your life. You will plant seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. And right here in 18, if after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. So with that being said, we see why Ezekiel had to lay on his side, because they wouldn't Repent of their sins. And here God declares that if Israel does not repent after the Babylonian captivity when Cyrus freed Israel, then the remaining time would be multiplied sevenfold. Now, if you do the math, Israel uses a 360-day calendar. We use a 365.25-day calendar. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do all the math with you. If you want to see it, you can come up and talk to me afterwards, and I can show you how we get to these numbers. But it comes out to 2,483 years and 285 days. So if you go from August 3rd, 537 B.C., and this is when the, the Jews in captivity are coming out of it, and we add 2,483 years, we get to August 3rd, A.D., 1946. So we have to add one year because there's no zero year. And we get A.D. 1947. Now we have to add the 285 days. And we get to May 14th, A.D. 1948. So our God is a very detailed God. He takes words, numbers, times, and events very seriously. So you may ask, what's the big deal with May 14th, 1948? What happened on that day? Israel became a nation on that day. After 2,500 years, here's a nation that was dispersed, people living all over the world. But God said that he would make them a nation again at the end of days. And that's exactly what happened, May 14, 1948. And he did it on the exact day that he said he would do it. So we see a nation born in one day a nation that had been dispersed for 2,500 years. So May 14th, 1948, Israel becomes a nation. May 15th, 1948, Israel goes to war. There was a coalition of Arab nations, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, forces from Iraq. They were sworn to their destruction. But I guess we probably know who won, don't we? Israel won. And why did Israel win? It wasn't because of their might. It wasn't because they were great warriors. They literally had weapons from World War I. 
but God was on their side. And he said that they were going to be a nation, and he made them a nation. He was going to keep them a nation. Satan has always been trying to destroy the nation of Israel. Story after story of Satan trying to destroy Israel as a nation time and time again. The Hebrew language had been brought back to life. Never before had a nation lost its sovereignty as a nation and lost its language. And then after 2,500 years, they come back with not only a nation, but their language. Right now, they're the eighth most powerful nation in the world. Isaiah 27, 6 says, In the days to come, Jacob will will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. Israel today exports billions of dollars in fruit and vegetables each year. I'm going to list off a few things here about Israel and and how uh, great of a nation they are today and how rich they are. Israel has become the second largest number of startup companies in the world only after the United States. They export $14.9 billion worth of gems each year. Electrical machinery and equipment, $8.5 billion. Pharmaceuticals, $5.6 billion. Optical, technical, and medical apparatus, $5.3 billion. Machineries, including computers, $4.9 billion. Chemical goods, $3.3 billion. Plastics, $2.9 billion. Aircraft and spacecraft, $2.2 billion. Minerals, fuels, including oil. And we're going to get to that one a little bit. $1.4 billion and organic chemicals, $1.4 billion. So mineral fuels, including oil, was the fastest growing among the top 10 export categories, up 59.5% from 2017 to 2018. And this is in Israel. So in Israel, they discovered some natural gas. 10 trillion cubic feet of natural gas was found in the Tamar region, and shortly thereafter, another 16 trillion feet of natural gas was located in the Leviathan field. So let me illustrate the difference between a billion and a trillion. So 1,000 seconds ago, it was about 17 minutes ago, it would take almost 12 days for a million seconds to elapse, and 31.7 years for a billion seconds to elapse. Therefore, a trillion seconds would amount to no less than 31,709.8 years. So you go from 31 years to 31,000 years. That's the difference between a billion and a trillion. And it's such a huge number that we can't really wrap our head around it. And here we just see that Israel just discovered 26 trillion cubic feet of natural gas. You may be like, well, what's the big deal about that? Those are just the riches that that tiny, tiny little country has. So why do other nations want to come to Israel and attack them? I just showed you all their natural wealth. Ezekiel 38, 13 through 16, people coming from a far north, it says, have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot? to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder. So why does God do this? Why do these people come from the north? He says, Then they will know that I am the Lord. Israel and Jerusalem have been a burdensome stone to the world. Forty-six percent of all UN resolutions 
or against that tiny little land, Israel. Rest of the world, the other 194 nations split up the remaining 54%. Israel has only 8 million people in it. Michigan has 9.9 million. The landmass of Israel is 8,522 square miles, equivalent to the state of New Jersey. Think about that. Eighth most powerful nation in the world is the size of New Jersey. The Jews are God's chosen people in Genesis 12, too. It says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All people on the earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 17, 7 through 8. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. To be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. So don't, let, don't ever let anyone tell you that the church replaced Israel as God's chosen people. We have not. Israel is and always will be God's chosen people. Israel is an unwilling partner in this right now. God is doing this for his name's sake. God said he will protect Israel, but not for Israel's sake, but for his name's sake. Read the book of Ezekiel, and the number one repeated phrase is, shall know that I am the Lord. So God does it for his name's sake. Ezekiel 37 describes the nation of Israel, but they are still spiritually dead. They still trust in their riches, their talents, and their technology. They have this thing that's called the Iron Dome, where basically it's a radar system that covers their entire nation. And if a rocket is shot into that nation, they can track that rocket, fire a rocket at that rocket from the ground, and explode it in air. That's how technically advanced this country is. And this tiny little country with just a few people, according you know, to the nation, but these people are extremely smart, extremely intelligent, and very technology advanced. So Ezekiel 38 and 39 is a war with Russia, Iran, and Turkey. When this will happen, we don't know, but we see everything coming to place together. We see that the Jewish people are back in Jerusalem. Jesus prophesied armies would surround Jerusalem, destroy the city, and enslave its citizens. In AD 70, the Roman legions fulfilled this prophecy. In the days that followed, Jesus said, Gentiles would control Jerusalem. The times of the Gentiles are over, until the time of the Gentiles are over. Then the Jewish people would once again take control of Jerusalem. When they did, Jesus promised to return in Luke 21, 24 through 28. In June of 1967, the Jewish people took control of Jerusalem. They hadn't controlled that city for 2,500 years, but they do today. Like I said, Israel is surrounded by enemies. Everybody around them wants to destroy them. According to the Bible, enemies will surround Israel in the end times. These enemies will say, Come, let us wipe away the nation of Israel. Let's destroy the memory of his existence. Psalms 83.4 And let us take for ourselves these pasture lands of God. Psalms 83.12 Ezekiel said, Israel's neighbors will say, God has given their land to us. Ezekiel 11.14-17 
and Israel and Judah are ours. We will take possession of them. What do we care if their God is there? Ezekiel 35.10. Ever since the rebirth of Israel in 1948, the daily headlines have included these exact sentiments. Israel's Muslim neighbors claim the land of Israel for themselves, and they have no regard for the God of Israel. They may say they do. They say we worship the same God, but believe me, we don't. The Jews, so we take a look at what's going on years ago, and we, try, we bring it to today. The Jews, in, in 2018, they consecrated an altar. And in December of 2018, they sacrificed a goat on that offer. This had not been done for 1,900 years in that land. So you ask, what's the big deal of that? Well, the big deal is, is that they're preparing to build the third temple. And the only way that the, you know, to us, we're like, we don't care about the third temple. We worship Jesus, and we can worship Jesus wherever. Well, Jesus said that the Antichrist will set up his kingdom in the third temple. So the third temple has to be there for these things to happen. And we see today all of this coming together about rebuilding the third temple and sacrificing animals and building the altars, and we see that things going on. So two of the mega signs are Israel and Convergence. And these two signs show us how close we are to Jesus' return, thus the tribulation, and before that, the rapture. Prophetic details are converging in our times, unlike any other time in history. This is one of those statements I don't want you to take my word for. Please pray for eyes to see as you study these things for yourself and see if they are not true. I know that these can be crazy times for the world, but let's be crazy for Jesus' sake. In the words of the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians 5.13, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. As we connect the dots of the day, let's be sure to pay attention to the picture that emerges before our eyes. Lord, give us eyes to see. Alone, each one of these signs indicate the end of the time is near. Together, they prove our time is the end times generation. Jesus himself said to look for these signs. He said, when you see them, you can know his return is near. Matthew twenty four thirty three. In fact, he said, the generation that sees these signs will not pass away before he returns. Matthew twenty four thirty four. This convergence of signs is the number one reason to believe our generation is on the verge of witnessing the second coming and the rapture. So we're, so we're in the last days. Now what? 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end is near. Therefore, be, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Time is short, my friend. The rapture could literally happen at any moment. This is our blessed hope. For we hope for what we can't see, but we hope for what we cannot see. I messed that up. For we hope for what we can't see, who hopes for what he can see. This should excite you. This is why we are still here today to tell people about Jesus, to keep them from spending eternity in hell separated from Jesus forever. It's not our job to get people saved. Quite honestly, you can't save anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to tell people about Jesus, 
and let the Holy Spirit do his job. In closing, I want to talk about the about what Jesus' greatest message was that he gave to thousands of people at one time on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, repent. So that's what we need to do. And that's what we need to tell our family and friends who don't believe in Jesus, repent. For the time is short. And that we know that we have this one shot on earth, and if we pass away, you don't get a second chance. You don't get to ask for a do-over. So you must confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your greatness, for your holiness, for your love for us. We know that you throughout eternity have proven yourself over and over again. We know that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And everything you say is 100% true. Your words are perfect. Your timing is perfect. Your days are perfect. You know the exact day, the exact second that the rapture will happen. And we look forward to that with a blessed hope. Know that we will spend eternity with you forever. And we are so excited about that. And help us to have this excitement, not just to keep it to ourselves, but to go tell other people about it. And what a joy that they can have in their heart. And they don't have to worry about what's going on with the world and the, the evil that we see going on around us that we know that we'll spend eternity with, with Jesus. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.